on the Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Welcome to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming, Be Connected, proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer-driven. Now, here are your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry. Welcome once again to Bailiwick here inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. The Runner Rebels coming off a tremendous performance at home against the Lobos and uh, getting ready for what could be a rather wild next eight or nine days. Uh, schedule changing uh, seemingly every day, almost every hour, but we think we know what's happening over the next week or so. We'll talk about that, talk about the, the victory over New Mexico, and get you ready for tomorrow night's game as the Runner Rebels have a very tough one against a good, solid defensive-minded Fresno State team at the Thomas and Mac tomorrow night. Hi, everybody. I'm John Sandler. Curtis Terry is with us. He's not here. He's home, uh, getting ready to uh, hopefully uh, find out that he's okay and can move forward uh, and join us tomorrow night at the Thomas and Mac, but he's being cautious, and we certainly appreciate that. I think Curtis is with us. Curtis, you there? I guess not yet, but he'll join us shortly. And, of course, uh, head coach Kevin Kruger is here and coach uh congratulations on your first mountain west conference win uh a i i haven't had a chance to go back and check whether it was a record margin of victory in the uh series between the runner rebels and new mexico or very close to but it was a thorough victory against new mexico yeah uh that one was a little more fun uh than uh some of the other ones we've had this year <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i'm to be honest i mean we sat as a staff and i and a couple of days before even going to Air Force when we had, you know, five scholarship players and two walk-ons and we're standing there trying to figure out how we're going to go play at Air Force. And I looked at, uh, actually all the coaches were out one day and said, I don't know when we're going to win because <laughs> I don't know when we're going to have enough people to have a team. I don't know who's going to come, who's going to go. So uh, to get that first Mountain West win uh, back in the right column, uh, feeling good, momentum going well, uh, uh, couldn't have asked for a better start to it. I, I know with so many questions and so many uh, unknowns heading into that game, it certainly had to give you a little sense of relief when you were able to get a full squad out there for shoot-around that morning. And then to see the way the guys responded and came out and played so well jumping out to that 12 nothing lead. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, when, on Wednesday, we, we, we stood as a group and talked about, all right, we are going to, we're going to go to Air Force on Friday morning. We're going to stand in a 2-3 zone. We're going to conserve as much energy as we have because there might only be five or six of you and we're, we're going to do our best we're going to slow the pace down and then we found out we had another positive so we found out we weren't going then basically i think friday the cdc changed or third maybe might have been thursday so then all of a sudden we're thinking okay well guys can test out so all we need is one guy to test out and then we are playing and we're saying we're going playing new mexico and we have no idea how many we got and then uh, Brian Lindell came in and kind of slowly, you know, a couple days in a row was like, well, such and such is cleared. And then later in the afternoon, it was like such and such and such and such is cleared. And it finally got to the point where I looked at him. I said, so we're, we're actually back full strength for tomorrow with New Mexico. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and so it, it literally went from we, didn't, we weren't playing, then we went full team. So the only thought and our, our concern just became their wind, their conditioning, uh, the effect of those that were out with uh, what COVID would have on them. And, uh, but it was, I'm not going to lie, it was, it was 
refreshing and uh, gave us a little more confidence as a staff to at least be going in there full full strength. And it's ironic because I I, I mean in watching the game and and watching the performances, the the only guy I really felt that was suffering uh, from whatever after effects of of COVID. Uh, were shown on the court was Bryce. He was really the only one that seemed a little bit off. Everybody else had their step. Uh, you know, certainly Donovan uh, didn't show any ill effects, but uh, I think the team bounced back remarkably well. I thought they did, and the and the the approach and the mindset was was as good as we could have asked for from from a staff perspective. Because as soon as we all had the opportunity, which was not very long before we played them in terms of days prep for New Mexico, we. Uh, we were honest with him and told him, "Say, guys, we have no idea. You know, we're not going to run a whole bunch before the game, so we don't really know what effect it's going to have on you in terms of a basketball conditioning. Because guys can run forever, but that basketball wind is different. And they were good with it. They understood. So we got some rotations going there early, and uh, it, it was a, it was just a, it was a weird feel to the game because we just went on a number of runs, but at the same time, we were always anxious because we." We weren't sure if we were going to hit a wall at some point and if uh, somebody was going to really start getting winded and not able to catch their wind back. And so there was a, a lot going through our mind until uh, about the three-minute mark uh, toward the end. Yeah, uh, I believe we have Curtis with us. Curtis, you there? I am. Can you All right. me, John? Yeah, CT, good to hear your voice. And I know you enjoyed watching the Runner Rebels take on New Mexico. Oh, of course. I mean, it's always fun when we get to take on the Lobos. We talked about this on air uh, for the broadcast of the game of New Mexico basketball, UNLV, San Diego State. When those teams and others are, are competitive and getting after it and got great home environments, it's better for the conference. Um, and so it's always a good opportunity to take on the Lobos, especially when you, you, you beat the brakes off them like the fellas did um, there at the Thomas and Mac. Uh, but uh, like you said, I was concerned about What's going to happen? How are the guys going to respond and, and show up in terms of their wind, their athleticism, um, just their physical conditioning? A lot of unknowns with that. And I'll admit we made the error of, of calling Bryce out on the air, but Bryce proved us wrong because the next thing you know, you look up and he's got 17 points and he's doing everything. So uh, not, not going to talk anything bad about Bryce, but it, it's re- pretty remarkable that the guys were able to have that type of performance and energy um, and just step on the gas throughout the whole game without having been on the court prior to that or having little time, uh, like Coach Kevin said, because who knows how guys are going to respond in terms of their health and their lungs and getting their legs back. Uh, But I know it's definitely a blessing that we didn't have to go to New Mexico uh, to the pit or have to turn around and play that quick game at Air Force because we know those environments are tough uh, when you talk about the altitude. No doubt about it. Uh, Rebels, as as we said, Kevin and his staff not sure exactly what was going to happen. And and, the game got off to a little bit of a – uh, back-and-forth sloppy start. That's the way New Mexico kind of forces you to play at times. But uh, the Rebels got it going, and, and the guy who got it going for him was Donovan Williams, who was absolutely terrific all night. Here's Donovan early in the game. Forsling tries to get it back to Mashburn. It's tipped away by Williams. Williams in the front court, lays it up and in. Great defense by Donovan Williams. Hamilton almost steals the ball, now tips it away and does steal it. Hamilton front court. Hamilton underneath to Williams. Lob for the slam. Go! That was a spectacular, spectacular catch and throwdown by Donovan Williams, all part of uh, that early 12 nothing run. Bryce had a three in that mix, uh, and we'll hear one from uh, Keyshawn Gilbert in a little while. But, uh, I mean, Donovan looked like he was shot out of a cannon that game. 
Yeah, he's a. I mean, in in transition, and when he's allowed to f- run freely, uh, it's pretty special and fun to watch because uh, that pass. And again, uh, I'm, I'm, this isn't a knock on Bryce, but that it wasn't the best pass in the world. And Donovan went up and and kind of reached back behind and and it, and finished it. And you know, he forced the team to call a timeout early in the game. You know, and then and a 12-0 run to start. Uh, couldn't have asked for a better start. And even the next possession, even though uh, Jenkins hit a three, it was from about three or four feet past the three-point line. Uh, we did exactly what we wanted to do out of the timeout from a strategy and a and a an approach. The guys executed exactly what we had wanted to do, uh, and the guy knocked down a, and a, a tough kind of contested 26, 27 footer. So you just got to tip your hat to him for that one. But uh, had he missed that and we go on uh, running from there, uh, uh, the guys it could have spaced it out a little bit. But it is what it is, and uh, we couldn't have asked him for even come out of that timeout to have a better start to it than they did. I talked to Donovan after the game, and I said, "I said, uh, boy, did you think he could get it?" He said, "No." He said, "I had to change the way I was I was going to jump for it." And I mean, he reached back into a, into one of the tubas in the band and pulled that thing out and threw it down. And uh, you know, it just shows what an incredible athlete he was. He is, and uh, and the the effort that he was able to make. Stretch is a an applicable name for him uh, in that sequence. Yeah, it, it, it's a great nickname for him. He. Uh... I mean, he, when he runs, his wingspan's up around seven feet. It, it's almost one of those, it looks like he may not be sprinting as fast as he can, or it looks like he may not be going as fast as he can, but he just covers so much ground when he moves. And that's one thing that even from the start of the season, we've talked to him a lot about is staying in front, of, even defensively, staying in front of the ball. Because when he gets on the side, he gives him an advantage. But when he stays in front, he can use his length in a lot of different ways to to be disruptive and uh, I mean he as much as anyone the progress he's made in in terms of just what we've asked he's always been a very good basketball player but just uh, from what we envisioned from him as staff uh, it couldn't have gone any better up to this point and and I think he is really one of those guys who's who's buying in if if not already fully bought in to the idea that uh, if if he plays well on both ends of the floor it's only going to help him and the team yeah, I mean, Donovan, I think, gets a lot of confidence offensively when he's being disruptive and doing, making positive plays defensively. And, and Donovan's played long enough. I mean, he played on unbelievably talented NBA-filled roster at Texas, so he knows and he understands what's disruptive and kind of what is a win defensively, even if it doesn't result in a block shot or a rebound. And, and when you disrupt the timing offensively and do, do little things that we, we talk about all the time, just little wins, uh, I think he just feels better offensively, and it gives him more confidence on the other end. Curtis, you and Kevin both, when you were playing, you, you had nights like that where it just it just worked. It just clicked. And, I mean, Donovan, everything was working for him. He made his first eight shots. Not all of them were either easy or uh, or open, let's put it that way. And, and everything was just going in for him. And, uh, CT, those nights have to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know firsthand about those nights. I had a lot of them in terms of climbing the ladder, <laughs> catching lobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, talking more about making shots, but okay. Okay. Not, okay. not taking right. shots. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I got you. Um, no, I mean, th- those kind of nights happen. Um, and I think for me, I didn't have them up to that degree by any means in terms of uh, the kind of stat line he put up in terms of offensive efficiency and the way that he was getting his baskets. I mean, it was the thing to watch because when – He's playing like that, and he's had the same type of game when we were at Mandalay Bay. It just seems so effortless. Like, it's just so natural. And especially when he gets out in transition, um, he just kind of glides through the air, kind of like a gazelle in the open. 
Um, and just, it, it looks so easy. Um, and it, it looks easy for him, for me. It makes me tired just watching him fly around out there. Uh, but it, it's definitely great to see him contribute in that fashion. And I think a big part of that is getting him back in a more natural position um, and not having to kind of battle with the big guys with when Vic was out. And I think, so that allows him to open up and have some more freedom. Um, but one thing I've noticed in terms of defensively, like Kevin said, when he gets on the side, that's when he gets himself in trouble. But I can only imagine how hard it is to stay disciplined and in front of guys when you have just that natural God-given athletic ability. I mean, because for him, I mean, he can be beat, but you can still reach out and tip a ball um, or, or not be in a passing lane and be a step late, but still get there. And so it's it's a thing of beauty to see. And I'm excited to see him continue to grow because it looks like guys are kind of fitting the mold of their role with this team. But again, it's it's a long way from the finished product, I think, especially coming out of the break. Uh, but but I love watching Stretch, um, and the nickname is definitely fitting for him. Kevin, do you have to kind of temper you and the other coaches what you what you say to him because you know where you know how high the ceiling is. You know how the potential is there. He probably doesn't understand how far he can go uh, specifically, and so do you have to kind of work with him sort of step-by-step step, moving him along that ladder to get to where he eventually uh, can reach? I think uh, to an extent, but I also think, uh, you know, a lot of the development that Donovan did and took, took place at Texas with Coach Smart, that staff, uh, you know, the daily work that they put in. So, and I think the opportunity that he has here is as much as anything. To, uh, it's starting to pay off. It's starting to show. Because um, even at the beginning of the year, you know, if, if you're looking at it from a calendar point of view, it had been, you know, two and a half years since he played a pivotal role in a meaningful game, you know, with his high school team toward the state tournament. Because at Texas, while he had a role and he played it, it wasn't something where he went in night in and night out and was expected to do X, Y, and Z or they lose. And here, I think, uh, you know, we he kind of there, there were some growing pains early, and I think some of those growing pains were even on my side and the coach's side because everybody handles things differently and approaches things differently, and and it's our job to figure out what gets each player to tick and. You know, instead of we're crossing that line to where they shut down, we we tow that line to where they keep going. But uh, Donovan's kind of he's completely changed in the sense of I think we've got that great back and forth with the staff now because uh, uh, he's putting in all the work and it's it's showing up on the court. So we just kind of let him go and do his thing, and and we just kind of sit back and watch. How important is it for the future of this run available program in the current world of college basketball with the transfer portal and how? critical those guys are going to be to, to continuing to build this program that everybody notices that you talked about opportunity everybody notices what donovan williams royce ham jr jordan mccabe victor Ilko, those guys are doing with their opportunity and how you publicize that and 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 how they publicize it to, to their peers and say look you know you were a great player in high school you went to top program x didn't get the opportunity you thought you should have gotten come to UNLV, you're going to explode. Oh, yeah. I think from a recruiting standpoint, it's it's something that at, at the end of the year we'll definitely use and talk about just uh, just those, even those four guys specifically coming from the Big 12 and, uh, you know, and, and even Bryce. Hell, Bryce has continued to grow and, and had the opportunity here to be a scorer and be a, a leader on this team. And uh, But we absolutely will, will – We'll use that to the best of our recruiting advantage and, you know, not cook the books, of course, but we'll... You don't we'll, have to. Uh, we don't have to cook it with them, but, uh, you know, as, as in recruiting, you slant everything towards a positive <laughs> sure. for you. But, uh, no, I think, uh, you know, the, 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 as much as anything, 
when we talk about what we want in, in shot selection with our group, uh, if you go back, if we if we were to explain it and everybody be on the same page, Donovan might take one shot a game. That isn't exactly what we talk about doing, and I think what that's kind of created is is just a comfort level with him and the other guys being on the same page. And and of course, we always make mistakes as coaches, but. Uh, we try to figure it out as best we can, and we feel that we've got a good thing right now offensively with those guys just continuing to learn each other and continuing to make plays for each other. And uh, and that, over the last four or five games, have, uh, they've done a good job of that. And even in the San Diego State game where they didn't, we didn't shoot it great, we still had a number of opportunities, and we still did what we wanted to do. We just didn't quite get the end result, and some nights that's going to happen. Well, plenty of opportunities coming up, starting with tomorrow night at the Thomas and Mac as the Running Rebels take on Fresno State. Later on the show, we'll talk about the Bulldogs and the challenge that they pose. But right now, going through a tremendous win, Running Rebels defeating New Mexico 85-56 to at the Thomas and Mac, a 29-point victory. Exactly the number of points that Donovan Williams had in that game. When we uh, come back from the break, talk about some other guys who made contributions. Here's some of those highlights, and let Kevin... Uh, Say nice things about some of his players because uh, a lot of guys had good games uh, against New Mexico. Fans, remember that EOS is a better gym, a better price. EOS Fitness, proud partner of UNLV Athletics. Back with more of the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino on the UNLV Sports Network. All right, back here at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino, Kevin Kruger Radio Show. I'm John Sandler, Curtis Terry joining as uh, and Steve Cofield is uh, taking care of some business, uh, handling the color commentary on the Lady Rebels telecast tonight. Uh, so he will be back with us. We'll be back here next Friday. That's a schedule change. We'll be here Friday, and it is a 5 o'clock show, not 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock next, uh, a week from tomorrow. And we'll have a lot to talk about because the Runner Rebels are going to be busy. Tomorrow night, uh, we've got Fresno State at the Thomas and Mac. Now we go to San Jose State on Monday for a game. Then go to Air Force Thursday and then come back home to play San Jose State again on Saturday. We'll talk about that later. We're talking about the New Mexico game and the runner-rebels victory over the Lobos, 85-56 at the Thomas and Mac. Uh, we've talked about Donovan Williams and his terrific play uh, in that game, but he had help. And uh, you always talk about guys getting better. And one guy who seems to get better every practice and every game is Keyshawn Gilbert, uh, and he had a big play in that game against Webster front court. Gets the ball to Coleman. Right side to Gilbert for a three. He hit it and a free throw coming up. Keyshawn Gilbert, a four-point play. He had six points in the game. He had a couple of steals and was his usual disruptive. And, Kevin, every time I mention his name, you get a little smile on your face because I know you love the kid. I absolutely do. I think, uh, you know, he's somebody that you want to be on your team. You just uh, – and I we used to jokingly – we used to joke with the guys early in the, you know, in the fall and the summer about – you know, of course, this is a joke. This is not what we don't mean it literally. But you know, we say, you know, who do you want on your on your side in a bar fight? And you immediately think of Keyshawn. You know, you immediately think of somebody that is going to no questions asked. He is going to sprint from the other side of the room and just not worry about anything until the dust settles. And that's the way he plays. And that uh, that four point play was a little uh, uh, odd because I remember it. Uh, he had been in for a, a stretch and. And I, he was actually, I had sent someone to the table to sub for him. And he, had, he just made two back-to-back -back really good plays. But for the psyche of the person subbing in, you don't tell them to 
come sit back down just because somebody made a shot. So it was all, and he kind of looked at me, and I was like, I, that one was on me, Keyshawn. Like, that one was on me. You're going to go back in quick, get a drink of water, and be ready. But, uh, no, he's, he's somebody that, I mean, how many times is he involved and active when we miss a shot on the offensive rebound? If he, if he doesn't get it, he, he makes them protect it. Uh, he'll, he'll be disruptive. He won't let him get a clean rebound. And he's just a really good overall basketball player. Just about every time, every game we have is televised, and it's usually a, a crew we haven't seen before, guys we haven't seen before. Invariably, when I go talk to them, they'll, they'll have watched some tape. They'll have watched a, a half game here, half game there. And at some point during the conversation, they say, I, I really like that freshman. It was Avery Johnson this time. I really like that freshman you got. And there's only one. And, and it just it comes up every single time. And he's getting noticed, and he's getting, he's getting some, uh, some, some raised eyebrows. And I think other teams are starting to take, the opposition starting to take notice of him. They are. We talk all the time about, uh, you know, when you, when you respect the game and, and the way it's supposed to be played, and, and that's not just basketball, of course, but if, if you give all the effort you can and you, and you, you, you just lay it all out there, every, everybody takes notice, your teammates, the fans, the commentators, as you said, even uh, officials, you know, they respect yeah. when you go out there and you're playing as hard as you possibly can. And, and Keyshawn gets out there, and the first thing he does is he figures out who's going to bring the ball up, and he guards him. And, that, and, and that, there's just not done that much anymore with that type of intent and that type of mindset. And uh, that's why we love him. His, his role on this team may not be to be a huge scorer, but his impact on the game is just as pivotal as anyone's. Curtis, you and I uh, were at, at practice today, and we talked a little bit about Keyshawn, not just this year, but as, as a, a, a real foundational piece in Kevin building this program. And I know you're excited to watch him grow, not only this year, but uh, into next season and beyond. I'm definitely excited about Keyshawn and his future. Um, and I say this every time that we're on the air, is, man, does he have a bright future. He's just going to continue to grow and mature and absorb the game and learn the game better um, and, and just react to the situations that he sees. But I, one thing I want to throw out there in terms of coach, your comment about in a bar fight, who do you want on your side? I don't think I'm going to pick the, the kid that can't get it in the bar in the first place. He's not going to do <laughs> really good to, <laughs> trying to get my back in that situation. Well, so you know, I, he's I going to get in a little trouble if he's already in there. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. So he's, he's got a little chip on his shoulder. Um, no, but it, it, for him, it's, I think it's a, just a matter of just absorbing everything and learning the game. And for him to be able to play behind uh, Jordan McCabe and Marvin Coleman, guys that have been at the level of leading a team uh, in their respective conferences, it's just about soaking it, it all in and taking it in. I had the privilege and the, the benefit and the luxury of watching Kevin firsthand um, and kind of just replicating everything that he did in terms of how he handled communicating with the guys in the huddle, off the court, relaying the message to coach from coach. And so Keyshawn is, is going to have a very bright future. Uh, you don't have to ramp him up in terms of effort, energy, especially on the defensive end. And so just the more reps he gets offensively and seeing coverages and pick and rolls and reading and reacting to making the right play, I'm excited to see his progression, um, and, and the young the young buck is, is still wet behind his ears. So he, he's he's got a long way to go, but uh, it's all good signs moving forward for Keyshawn. Is he the kind of kid where at the end of this season you could sit down with him and say, "Okay, Keyshawn, here here's the roadmap. Here it is. We you you've proven that you belong here, no question. Uh, you can become a dominant defender if you're not already uh, an on the ball defender. Here are the three things I want you to work on." This summer, you know, 
I want you to get up X number of shots. I want you to do this and that. And these are the, these are the areas of the game you need to work on in order to become an elite player in this conference and become a leader in this program. And, you, and then you just kind of send him off and he'll just do it. it there it is. There's, there is an element of that that he will do. I think uh, – you know the, the the level of trust with Keyshawn that that's building right now with the staff and the team and the and the program is is something that at the end of the year I I do because uh, you know on both sides of the coin you know we've we've told Keyshawn from day one you know that you don't need to worry about shooting tough shots you know you shoot them when you're open and if you're not drive in make a play for a teammate uh, you know and and I keep going back to a story where you know just because you can make them doesn't mean you should shoot them. And we had a guy named Matt Freeman when I was at Oklahoma who dribbled the ball up the court one time. And I, it was in the fall, so the teams were split evenly, and I had a group. And, and, I, and I said, Matt, you know, kick that ball ahead and, and run the lane. And he said, Coach, I can bring it up. I said, no, you can, but the guy you passed to, that's Trey Young. Give it to him and then run, and he'll make a play. And he's, no offense, he's just better at it than you right now. And, and Matt kind of nodded his head. He understood it, and he ended up. You know, benefiting from that, and Keyshawn's kind of does that in a similar way. He makes a play for a teammate, gets them a shot. If they miss it, he, he might get an offensive rebound or, or keep the play alive. So his his impact is still there, even though he's not out there shooting you know twelve fifteen shots a night. He also made a pretty good play on the baseline. We don't have the highlight, but when when he saw that opening, when he saw that the defender was was giving him just that that little space on the baseline, he took it and went right to the rim, and and you know that shows I think another step in his progression. It did. He uh, he caught it on. Uh, I think I believe it was Jordan on a pick and roll on the right wing. Threw it back to him. He pump faked. The defender jumped. Uh, he drove. Vic had the guy cleared out, and he just laid it in. It's just a smart basketball play. He could have taken a contested three pointer, uh, but instead he he pump faked. And he was, when you do that, your thoughts usually to make a play for a teammate, and then it opened up, and he ended up taking the layup. Another guy who I think of late has started to show some market improvement is David Mawka, and uh, he. He had a terrific run down the lane. Let's hear it. Now to Mawoka. Back to Josh Baker. Baker with 10 on the clock. Give and go to Mawoka for the slam dunk. David is, I mean, athletically is so gifted. Earlier on this season, you know, I'll say it plainly, he looked lost at times. The game was going too fast for him at times. He's starting to catch up, and, and that's really exciting. He is. Uh, so, David, you know, we lovingly call him Moo. You know, of course, from Mooka, and he, he didn't like it at first, but, you know, I, I, I told him, I said, well, you're the only player on the team that my two-year-old knows the name of. <laughs> and, and he kind of thought that, you know, he laughed at that a little bit. But uh, he's probably the nicest guy on our team. And I think, you know, when you say he kind of lost out there, I think he was kind of, he didn't want to step on toes. And now that he's been around Royce a little bit more, he's been around Vic, he's been around Reese, uh, you know, he's been around uh, Donovan, those guys that, you can still be nice, but when it's on the court, it's time to you know get after people pretty good. Uh, I, I think he's his you know his progress and his approach is just exactly where we want it to be as somebody who's going to be the foundation of this thing going forward. And uh, uh, you just love David to death, and and he's fun to be around. And and I'm just we're really happy that he ended up choosing to come here. He 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 has so much to give, and and can fill such a critical role that I know you value, and, and that's the role of a rim protector. And uh, it, it, it's such a, a luxury defensively to have that guy back there knowing, okay, uh, I, I didn't create, play great on the ball defense that time, but I got, I got Moo back there. And uh, go ahead. No, exactly. I think when you've got a guy like him back there, you can, 
you can make a mistake here and there on the perimeter. If you know you've got that, that help defender back there that can protect the rim. And, and really, as much as anything, I've been uh, proud of him the last few games of how he's gone after rebounds. And I think a lot of that has to just do with just watching Royce. And just the way that Roy, we talk a lot in practice about 10-foot rebounds. You know, don't wait for the ball to come to you. We're, we're an incredibly athletic group. Go get the ball, 10 feet or higher. And I think watching Royce go do that, you know, he has started, started to rub off on, on, on Mu a little bit, and he, now he goes and gets him at 10 feet in practice. And in the games, when that ball hits the rim, if he has a free run to it, he's going to go get it above the rim. And, and he's starting to get a little nastiness to him. And, uh, and I think that's uh, when you've got a big guy that's got a little nastiness to him, it's, it's fun to watch as a guard. I know that there's a, a special relationship that has developed between Jordan McCabe and Keyshawn Gilbert in terms of that, that veteran youngster at the point guard position is the same thing happening with Royce and David in the middle I think so I think uh you know Jordan and Keyshawn are both incredibly competitive so there's times they can be cats and dogs and you just gotta like tell them you guys relax like go stand or you go stand over there you go stand over there like it'll all it'll all be okay but uh I think David's a little and Royce being even farther apart in age uh, they haven't quite got to that point, but they really have started, especially in this last three, four weeks, have really started competing in practice uh, to the point, I think, about a week ago where Royce even kind of looked at David out of the side of his eye one time because David hadn't been doing that routinely, and it kind of surprised him a little bit. But the best part about it is Royce, Royce almost he smiled at him almost like he knew you know, he was the one that had taught him to do that. And, and by watching Royce... Uh, David had ended up uh, kind of being a little bit like Royce. And I think uh, if, if that's his role model, I, uh, there, there's nobody you'd rather have a guy follow than Royce no, Ham. No doubt about it. He's, Royce Ham is, is exactly what you want on your team, both on and off the court. He is, uh, he is just a terrific guy with an, an unbelievable motor and uh, so much fun to watch. And it, we saw it in the first game of the year, and it's continued throughout. Uh, another guy who had a, a, a very solid game, against a team that likes to kind of mess, get y'all messy and sloppy, uh, is Jordan McCabe. And, and uh, let's hear uh, a highlight from Jordan. Cross-court pass, McCabe, open for a three. McCabe's three is good. Great pass from Bryce Hamilton to find it. Bryce throwing that hook pass to Jordan McCabe and Jordan knocking down the shot. Something Curtis and I, and, and Curtis, jump in here if you want, uh, that you and I talked about is that you know, we, we think there are times when Jordan McCabe is passing up some shots that, that maybe he should take. And, and I know, uh, you know, you were a point guard who'd like to shoot it. And, uh, you know, talking to you, Curtis. Yes, on that yes one. sir. Well, but both of you. But, I mean, you were both good enough shooters where that was, that was a real asset because it certainly gave the defense another thing to, talk, to, to think about. Uh, and I know you want to see Jordan uh, knock down more shots, Curtis. Yeah, no, I, um, John, you're, you're taking a lot of shots at me because I'm not sitting there right next to you uh, tonight. <laughs> no, but it's it's kind of to the point of, of like you said, kind of the, the student learning from the teacher. I mean, in terms of Royce um, with David uh, and for me with for me to Kevin um, in, in terms of that's where I learned a point guard needs to be able to shoot a lot of shots and knock them down. So. Well, with Jordan, I, what I see is obviously Jordan is a floor general. He can distribute, kind of run the show, get guys shots, um, make it fun and flashy at times, obviously within reason and not being too risky. But the one thing I like and I hope he will grasp if it's right within the flow of the game is confidently stepping up there and knocking down shots when he has them. Uh, because I think it, it keeps the defense honest, especially when your point guard knocks down that shot and, and they don't have to allow the defense to say, we don't have to respect that, don't have to close out and, and 
get into full rotations because we saw it today, John. I mean, he stepped up there and knocked down that shot in practice. It, it yeah. changes everything because then it allows other driving lanes and drive kicks um, and allow guys to get better shots and looks at the basket. Uh, but, but I like what I see, obviously, from Jordan. He, aside from even if he's not making shots where he hasn't during games this season, he doesn't let that affect him. He still runs the team, will still get guys in, in the huddle, and, and still will be the maestro and orchestrate stuff. Because I know, obviously, there's some point guards, even myself, have done that at times. If you're not making shots, it can affect the rest of your game. Uh, but for, that doesn't happen with Jordan McCabe at the point. I think personally, he should be a little bit more selfish and aggressive to, to look for his shot when he has it, uh, because it also keeps the flow of the offense um, and doesn't allow guys to to mess up the timing in terms of they think he's going to shoot it because he's wide open and, and can count, count the stars in the sky with all the time he has. Um, but then they're not ready for the next play because he doesn't he doesn't take that shot. So that's one thing I, I would like to see. Uh, but again, having the luxury of being able to have him run your show with the experience and teach Keyshawn, again, just another luxury uh, because Kevin and I had it, and it reminds me of it, having big guys that could protect the rim. It made me a better defender because I could gamble because I know I had Joel back there behind me and Gaston um, to cover my butt. And so I think it's, it's great all around, especially when guys understand what their teammates could really help them do and allow them to, to be more aggressive or take those chances because you know you can help on your backside. Yeah, I, Kevin, just about Jordan and, and shot selection and, and, and being aggressive, uh, what are you guys as coaches talking to him about? I think that Jordan's one of those guys that when he shoots it every time, you think it's going in because he shoots it the exact same way every time. And I think as, as a on the coaching side of things, when you're talking to guys about shooting and you're even – you know, when you're talking to kids or, or high school guys or whatever, college, uh, you want to do the same thing every single time. And and that's why I think every time Jordan shoots it, I think it's going in. And we're, we encourage him to to hunt three-point shots. And when he and if he catches it in rhythm and in the passes on time on target, we want him to shoot it. Uh, I think that point guard position, is it, it's, a, it's a position where you have to be able to catch and shoot it, unless you're just lightning quick because – if you're going to spend 99% of your time on the perimeter, if other than just passing it and starting an offense, you, you've got to have a role. And to create space for, for wings that can drive and make plays and score at, at all three levels, uh, you know that point guard position being able to shoot in terms of how we're going to go and how we're going to be going forward, is it's going to be mandatory. Well, it, it's going to be fun. I know Jordan works very hard. He and Coach Tim Buckley work hard after every practice on his shooting, and uh, it, it only opens up things for, for the runner rebels when he's able to knock them down. Take another break. When we come back, uh, finish our discussion of New Mexico and then uh, start talking about uh, this whirlwind the rebels are going to go through over the next uh, nine days or so uh, with, with schedule changes and all that. Uh, we'll have that conversation in just a moment. Fans, remember that Finley Chevrolet, it's located in the southwest at 215 in South Rainbow. Nevada's number one Chevrolet volume dealership, frankly, they're customer-driven. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. All right, we're back. Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino talking Runner Rebel basketball. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, and head coach Kevin Kruger. Runner Rebels coming off the shellacking of New Mexico, 29-point victory, and getting ready to take on uh, Fresno State tomorrow night at the Thomas and Mac. And uh, beginning of, of quite a sequence for the Runner Rebels. Uh, one other player that, that we certainly should talk about 
uh, in, in that New Mexico game before we finish things up. And we talked about it earlier, Bryce Hamilton. I thought he was the, the, really the, the, the guy where it stood out that early he, he, was, he was struggling a little bit. His shot wasn't falling. He just didn't seem to have that explosiveness. Uh, but as Curtis said earlier, you know, we, we looked up and he had, you know, nine points and, and was kind of just w- part of the team uh, instead, of, instead of leading the way as he usually does. Kind of Donovan had taken that role against New Mexico. And then you looked up again, he had 17 points and he had, he had helped the Rebels take a 10-point a lead to 20 and 25. Uh, and, and, and here's a highlight. Uh, of Bryce on the break. Rebels steal the inbounds pass. Mike Nugup ahead to Hamilton. Hamilton with the slam dunk. Bryce flying down the left side, and you forget because he's he's so crafty in the lane and and knocks down threes. You forget how explosive he is and what a great athlete he is. Yeah, I think that, oddly enough, I mean, with when Mike Nugup is healthy, he's the, one of the fastest kids alive. It's actually impressive to watch, but. Bryce is uh, even on last year's team. He, he was the fastest guy we had in a dead sprint, and he doesn't always show it. But it, his burst and his change of direction—it's it, elite. And in a, in transition, I mean, that's why I think that's why he's one of the best in transition uh, in the country. If he can have any advantage, and not even always, he can he can make something out of nothing uh, with the best of them. But yeah, I, I we did not. As I was watching that live, I did not expect him to dunk it. I thought he'd just take the layup and yep. get back. But uh, he dunked it, got the crowd going, got the guys going. Then we actually came down on the next play, and, and Royce got a dunk. And, you know, one thing, one dunk had turned into two, and now we had some momentum going. But uh, Bryce can do that. He, he can really run and jump and go and change direction. Uh, he's definitely one of the best all-around athletes uh, I've ever coached. He's tremendous and uh, looking forward to him to be 100% healthy. You mentioned Mike Nuga trying to get back to being healthy, and it's it's clear that he just hasn't been able to contribute the way we all thought he would. I know how excited you were to have Mike come in as part of the program. Is that something you hope to see him uh, as the season goes along, kind of get more confident and, and, and get back to full strength? Yeah, it is. I mean, the, the, the hardest part about Mike is you, you root for him, you want him to do well, but you can tell he doesn't have his confidence fully back yet, and it's tough to watch because he's somebody that that you just want to do well and you want to have fun and he's somebody who brightens your day every time you see him so it's almost it's not fair for him to have to go through what he's had to go through on in terms of coming back from his ACL but um, it, it is what it is he, he's somebody that regardless of what happens he's going to make the last handful of months of his college career count and that's I think just what makes him a home run of a human and and it's it's perfectly understandable I mean he's a guy. Uh, blessed with tremendous athletic ability, you, you suffer an injury. It's understandable that you're going to be a little bit trepidatious, if you will, a little hesitant about coming back and, and going full bore on that knee. Yeah, it is. It's, it's normal. And, uh, you know, he came back even – he was cleared by doctors well before what what 90% or 95% of ACL tears are. And I think that's just kind of, of his work ethic. Um, devotion to being able to enjoy this year as much and every day as much as he possibly could and um, but uh, knowing Mike I mean he's tough he's tough as nails and uh, when he anything he can do to help the guys and help the team he's shown that he's willing to do and that's why I think uh, he'll get his confidence back here soon and and just be ready to help uh, as he has from day one. Fresno State at home tomorrow San Jose State up there Monday Air Force up there Thursday San Jose State back home on Saturday. It's an NBA schedule coming up for the Runner Rebels in the next week, week and a half. It is, and uh, that's the fun part about it. You know, all the guys want to play professionally, and this is a nice little go. taste of uh, <laughs> what it's like. And 
Uh, although we travel better than a lot of teams in Europe do, and most of my experience is over there. But, you know, they, they came here to play games. They want to play games. Uh, and honestly, as a coach, I don't mind it because that's where we've seemed to make our most progress is in those games. And uh, while our practices have been great and the guys work hard, uh, there's just no simulation for going up against somebody who uh, you've never played against or you haven't had a ton of reps against. So I'm excited for it. It'll be fun, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Curtis, uh, from a player standpoint, uh, concerns about preparation, concerns about you know your legs and anything like that, or is it let's let's get after it? I mean, I, I would me from my experience, I would say yes a little bit, but that's just because I was purely a guy who liked to absorb himself in the scouting court in film, um, and film and being overly prepared because that's where I would tend to find my advantage. Um, but th- th- with these guys, and they proved it. Uh, in the game against New Mexico, what they went through last year with the uncertainty and, and unknown and kind of just being on call and ready to go and then having to go through it again this year, um, I think they've, they've kind of figured it out. They figured out what works for them um, and how to be able to make sure they're ready um, when they say we're leaving to go because we're getting on the plane uh, because I like to be prepared. Um, that's for me. And so it's honestly, it's killing me guys not knowing where we're going or if we're going or for how long. Um, just so I can pack the right stuff. I mean, because it's a big difference from going to San Diego to going to San Jose um, and then going to Colorado Springs. Um, so I'm on pins and needles uh, from that standpoint. But again, these guys are young. They're used to it. It's much different now. And they travel a little bit better than, than we did in, in our heyday um, with no Southwest flights. But uh, it's, it's definitely fun to see these guys um, be able to adapt to whatever's thrown at them. Uh, because again, for me, I wouldn't have been as, as good at it. But now that's what this generation is about. It's about being adaptive, quick, and, and having things at their fingertips. Um, and so I'm excited to see what these guys bounce back and do. I just hope that they don't try to prove a point and say, Coach, we play much better when you give us three days off and then we just show up to play. Um, because I think I think Coach Kevin's going to have a, have a decision to make there. <laughs> I don't think that will be an issue. Uh, one more break coming up. Uh, we'll, we'll take a look at the Bulldogs when we come back. Right now, I want to remind you there's so many ways to be satisfied at the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Savor the latest and greatest variety of flavors at Bailiwick, All-American Pub and Eatery right here. Great food and fun. It's what they do. Talking Fresno State, the opponent for the Runner Rebels tomorrow night at the Thomas and Mac. When we come back, you're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. All right, back at Bailiwick, our final segment. Runner Rebels getting ready to take on a very good Fresno State Bulldog team tomorrow night at the Thomas Mac. 8 o'clock tip. Curtis and I have all the action starting at 7.30 with Runner Rebel warm-up. And uh, this, is a, this is a really good Bulldog team. They've got Orlando Robinson, who has blossomed into one of the top players in the West Coast. Uh, a, a tough matchup at, at a legit 7-foot, but can step outside and can also battle down low. And it's a, it's a team that, uh, you know, under Coach Hudson, uh, plays great defense, holds their opponents uh, typically kind of a little, little San Diego State-ish in terms of the stats, down under 60 points a game, and they're going to pose quite a challenge. Yeah, I mean, Coach Hudson, of course, coming from San Diego State, a uh, longtime assistant for Coach Fisher, uh, spending a year here in Vegas, and uh, definitely defensive-minded. They're playing really well right now. They do a, an excellent job of guarding the dribble and not, not allowing guys to get downhill on them. And uh, so that'll be our big challenge, to create advantages for each other so that uh, we can get into driving lanes, uh, kickouts for open shots, and uh, 
And then, of course, as you mentioned, Robinson. Uh, he's one of the best players on the West Coast, and it, our, our work will be cut out for us to contain him as best we can. In, in terms of game planning and strategizing to take on a team like this, they've also got Holland back, and it's really those two guys who, who do the bulk of the scoring for them. Um, is, is, it, is it really a matter of trying to kind of spread them out defensively and, uh, and, and attack them from a variety of angles? Yeah, I mean, anytime you can have good spacing, uh, you want to do that. You want to move every time the ball, what we talk about, ball move, body moves uh, on defense, but also on offense. And uh, if we can do that and if we can create advantages for each other, get downhill, um, continue, continually moving, um, especially with Robinson, if you can kind of just let him go down there and stand around the rim, uh, he's going to be a, fi- a pretty efficient rim protector and rebounder. And so we've got to get him moving. We've got to get him going side to side, as well as the help defenders. And uh, I think that's where... Uh, our offensive game plan lies. Curtis, you know uh, Fresno State's going to be a tough matchup for the Runner Rebels, but a chance to build on a, a big win over New Mexico. Yeah, I mean, and, and Kevin just said it, in terms of with Coach Hudson and what he does uh, with his teams, always based on defense. And he was obviously a defensive coordinator uh, with those great San Diego State teams and, and what they, they did defensively and, and what they continue to do kind of with their identity. And he's instilled that with his group at Fresno State. Um, and remember last year, they're, they're just always tough, they're athletic, and they're going to defend. And so you know going into the game, it's basically going to kind of be like a prep for San Diego State. Um, he's got, got to match that. And obviously, like you mentioned, they've got Orlando inside, um, which poses some problems from, from that standpoint. Um, but again, it's another opportunity to play a conference game, to make sure that you're, you're trying to defend home court, which is always big um, in, in conference play as well as all the time. But I'm excited to see how these guys bounce back in terms of you handle business um, in the fashion that you did against New Mexico. But then how do you respond to that the next night out? Do you kind of just sit back and think, ah, we figured it out. We got this piece of cake. Or are they going to approach it with that same mentality and how they came out of the gates and just kind of be be barnstormers and and try to bull rush them? Uh, And I think that's what these guys have. Um, But again, for me, it's and coach knows this better, just how they respond just based on the scenarios and what they're going through. Um, but if anything, what we saw last night is an indicator. These guys are, are ready at the drop of a dime, and so I'm excited to see what they do um, against an athletic, physical team um, like the Bulldogs. Is there a message this year, Kevin, of, especially with what we've seen uh, of late, of, boy, guys, don't waste any of these opportunities. I mean, the guys who were in their final seasons, Royce and Mike and, and guys like that, uh, I would assume that they, they understand that uh, 100%. But uh, every game, uh, given the fact that the schedule can be a little tenuous and change at any minute, uh, you got you got you to gotta go 100 all the time. Yeah, I think, uh, as you mentioned, the guys who are nearing the finish line understand it. But I think our message to the guys has been, I mean, notice the improvement we've made as a group. And, and, and take a second to look back at where we started. And let's not forget that that just came from every day the right approach, getting better, not taking a shortcut. And, and if we can continue to do that, our best basketball is still ahead of us. Fans, remember Mr. Fry's Man. It's new to Las Vegas and serving up gourmet, gourmet fries. Uh, Rebel fans, make sure to swing by for that late-night craving or delicious lunch located on Flamingo between Maryland Parkway and Cambridge. Check them out online, Mr. Fry's Man. That's going to do it for us here at Bailiwick tonight. Uh, Thanks to uh, Ari back in our Learfield studios and Nick Murphy, the best engineer in the business, alongside uh, Rebels and Fresno State tomorrow night at the Thomas & Mac, 8 o'clock. Come on down and join us. We'll be on the air at 7.30 with Run & Rebel warm-up. For Curtis and for Coach, this is John saying thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow night from the Thomas & Mac. Have a great evening, everybody.